This is the AdLib Music Podcast. Have you been looking for someone to walk alongside you in your worship leadership journey? We love worship leaders. AdLib Music is an organization of worship coaches that is deeply committed to eradicate isolation and burnout so that you bear much fruit. Part of our mission is to give you resources, and this is the worship fertilizer from AdLib Music. I'm starting off with a pretty big statement here, but I say this, you can't make music if you're only focusing on your instrument. You have to listen and respond to the rest of the band for it to be music. Or you can make it through the chord chart, but it's not making music. It's like having a conversation where only one person is listening. That's not a conversation, man. <laughs> so have you ever felt bound to the your chord chart, or have you ever felt scared that you were going to make a mistake, and you missed the whole moment of worship? I have. Totally, man. Totally. So my friend John Nichol says, uh, practice is personal, rehearsal is relational. That's practice is personal, rehearsal is relational. And that's I love him saying it that way. I've said practice is what you do before you get to rehearsal. And that's why I've used the language of worship rehearsal rather than worship practice. See, practice allows you to focus on the main thing once you get into the service. Practice reduces attention among team members. Practice puts you in a better headspace when you're rehearsing. Practice gives you more margin, like in the sense that more things can go wrong before they affect you, like, you know, your monitor might not be working right, or somebody didn't show up, or they didn't show up on time, or somebody else isn't prepared. But if you're prepared, you'll be okay. So practice gives you margin. Practice is key. Don't just do it at rehearsal. (laughs) So that's some of the whys you should practice, but this is something that, that I think people, part of the reason that people don't practice is that they don't know how. So here are here are a few ideas on how I practice before I show up to rehearsal. So number one is listen. How many times have we learned songs incorrectly? So before I sing or I play, I listen to the song. I let it sink into me. And I want to sing it a, 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 listen to it a couple of times before I even sing or play. And I'm noticing a couple of different things. First, I'm noticing dynamics. Like, where does the song get really big? Where does the energy fall and rise? And where does it hold back? And where does it really let loose? Where are the places where there's tension and then release? So I'm looking at the dynamics. I'm looking for big things like that. Next thing, I'm just looking at the form of the song. Like, I'm trying to start getting in my head, oh, there's two choruses, or there's two verses, or there's four verses, or there's a bridge, or there's this outro, or there's whatever. I'm, I'm looking for the sections of the song. I'm asking, how does the song flow? What is it? Does that work for me? Do I do I want to do it like that, or do I need to change it up? But how does it flow? What is the form? And then the third thing I'm looking for when I'm listening is the core. Like, what is making this song work? What is making this song feel like it does? Is it some kind of a melodic line that you keep singing over and over, or is it the drum groove? Is it a certain strumming pattern? And in, in the spirit of my nephew Will, this is important because. Without knowing what makes the song work, you'll just tend to play the chords on the chart and miss the whole core of the song. Now, Will loves puns, and so he'll say something funny, and then he'll say, well, that's funny because, and he'll go on to explain it because us commoners you know, don't always understand. <laughs> so 
the dynamics, the form, and the core, those are the three things that you're listening for. So now I remember learning a song, quote unquote, having heard it once at a conference, and I'd come home to teach it to my team from my memory of it. And man, I was so surprised when I heard the song years later being done wrong, again, in air quotes, by the author. <laughs> so this was back in the early 90s before you could just YouTube anything you wanted to hear and remember exactly how you heard it. So, so you're listening, but here's a really important caveat. Make sure you're listening to a version that your team is going for. And there's so many covers these days, and you don't even always know that they're a cover because they don't tell you they're a cover. They just tell you this artist is doing it. So the arrangement can be different. The, even the notes and the rhythms of the melody are, might be different. So you want to make sure that you're learning the right ones. And f For example, I started learning King of My Heart from the original, from Sarah McMillan. Um, and that's that's a, has a different groove uh, in the vocal part of that than the Cutlass cover did. And if you want it like extra credit, and you won't be you won't be sad about that. There's a link in the show notes for um, a version that Susanna Espalmer Mural wrote. Um, she's a singer, one of the worship leaders at Life Center, and um, it's got this tag on it that says, "We will not be shaken. We will not be moved. We will anchor our souls in your goodness. We will anchor our souls in you." And it's just. It's just killer. It's just amazing. So for King of My Heart. So you've listened, right? Thank you for listening. That's been helpful. Number two is you play, right? So once you've listened well, play along with the recording a couple times. And this is going to uh, help establish a lot of really good habits, including learning the song well. So I love the way they said it uh, at the Vertical Church Band Worship Nights. They said this, learn to replicate before you create. Learn to replicate before you create. I mean, you absolutely want to make it your own and create an authentic artistic expression, but do that after you've submitted yourself to the discipline of replicating and learning the original. Everybody you'll ever play with will thank you because you'll actually be more artistic than less artistic if you've because you're developing a discipline that artists need of playing well of playing smart of playing appropriately so absolutely make it a, make it your own but use it as a way of learning right uh, as a way of of developing your own talent and skill outside of just getting the song down so submit yourself to that discipline but what if you're not playing in a key that the video is in or the recording is in and that's a great question. So here's two easy solutions because it's really, really important to practice in the same key that you'll be playing in at rehearsal, not just for instrumentalists, but also for vocalists, um, both. So first, if you use Planning Center um, and you've uploaded the MP3 or M M4As, you can change your keys. Um, and there's there's a, a, a link in the show notes to a video that I created showing you how to do that. If you don't have Planning Center, you can use their free resources, uh, which is transposer.com. There's no E in that word. T-R-A-N-S-P-O-S-R.com, uh, where you can transpose MP3s. But what if you don't even have MP3s? Well, you go buy them. Please go buy them. Please go buy them. And if you're too cheap or you just can't for some reason, then find it on YouTube, copy the share URL, Paste it in the search bar of this website called listen to youtube.online and it, you'll be able to download it, just the MP3. You're welcome. So next, so you've listened to it, you've, you're, you're submitting yourself to that discipline, then take the training wheels off and play with a clicker, a metronome. 
This will also make everyone you play with appreciate your consistency, your discipline, and your groove. Uh, you may have to slow the click down to, to play with it, but it's always a good habit to slow the tempo down to the speed that you can play something in consistent time. And then once you've got it, then you can speed it back up to the song's tempo. Um, and since playing with a metronome helps everybody to lock into something common, doing this in your practice time will help everyone after they come together. So, and if you say, I don't have a metronome, you'd better check your pants for flames because they might be on fire. Um, if you have a, a smartphone, you do. And if you prefer the, the flip to the smart on your computer, go to 8notes, the number 8notes.com slash metronome and either move the slider or tap the space bar to set the tempo. Or you can just Google the word metronome and use the one that's built into their browser. It's pretty cool. Uh, my favorite iPhone app uh, is Loop Communities Prime. So that's what I use to play multi-tracks, but you can uh, add tracks if you want to to do that. So just set the tempo, the time signature, and name it. I usually name it the song name, and off you go. And as a bonus, you can even use this at rehearsal to play or just to start at the right tempo. So, man, that's a lot, a lot happening there, right? So work hard, listen, play along, practice well, because it's going to set you free. Once you get to rehearsal, it'll give you wings, baby. Wings. Stick around. I have a great conversation that explores some more details about this with Jeremy. You might be wondering what coaching looks like. How does it work? How much does it cost? We'd invite you to schedule a free 30-minute coaching session, no strings attached, simply to answer your questions and get to know each other. You can do that by going to adlibmusic.com and then click contact in the upper right-hand corner. We look forward to seeing you on the inside. All right, so thanks for sticking around. Today we have with us Coach Jeremy Grafe. Hello, Jeremy. Hi. <laughs> For those of you who uh, don't know you, what's what's a 10-second uh, who's Jeremy Grafe? That's a terrible thing to ask. Oh, 10-second? Um, I am a musician who kind of came to it a little bit late and found myself in a spot where I was not only playing in front of people every week, but leading in a church. And a lot of that has just been saying yes to every invitation that's come. And I've been really amazed at what the last 10 years have been like because of that. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, and, and what, you know, what people wouldn't know about you, which is part of, part of the reason I thought it'd be fun to have you uh, on this podcast particularly, is that we're talking about stretching. Okay. And you've done a lot in terms of using your body and training your body for certain um, non-typical endeavors, should we say? Yes. <laughs> um, do you want to? Do you want to just, you know, um, what am well, I? What am I talking about? Well, it could be a couple of things, but the thing you're probably talking about is um, I've been a skateboarder off and on since I was like four, and um, I don't really ride as much as I used to. But the thing that I'm I'm guessing you really want to talk about is I started studying kung fu when I was 22. Yeah, well, th- and a lot of that. A lot of that process is just showing up to train every day and practicing and and just not quitting. Hmm. 
Um, there's so much about it that has to do with um, constancy, like showing up and always training, but also not quitting. Yeah. Um, and and being able being able to recognize that there's a greater goal involved and that it's not probably going to happen anytime soon. Hmm. So being able to um, persistently practice for years on end, I think that prepared me really well to start studying music later on. Yeah, well, your, your approach um, has certainly been, uh, um, I would say different, well, different from mine uh, in, terms of, in terms of what you do personally when you're getting ready um, to lead or to play. Um, like so, so just what what comes to mind when you think about the the, the correlations between um, what you would do um, for for um, kung fu versus what you do for music in terms of your your own personal practice and your your that that discipline of practicing? I don't really know that it's that different. Um, I think. The main thing, like with music, I play every day, I work on stuff every day, and I try and be as intentional as possible about how I I manage my practice time. So mm-hmm. if I'm learning a song, um, one of the things that will often happen is I'll find something that doesn't quite work. And something that I think is true with both kung fu and music is when you find something that isn't working well, you break it down to the the component part hmm. and basically do that over and over again until it feels more smooth yeah. or it sounds better. I mean, it it ends up being the same mechanic. So, And in both cases, your technique gets better and your sensitivity gets better. So it's it's really a matter of first of all, being able to see what the mistake is and then figuring out how to manage practice time to effectively practice out the mistake or make it more manageable, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, and, and you know, I, I think just as of note, like how many worship team members would say that they practice every day or most days, you know? Like that's, I, I think that's that's true for some people, but it's it's not true for the majority of people probably. Is there a story that pops to mind when you think about the guy or the gal who would come to the the kung fu studio and hadn't done that any any practicing between sessions between classes well sure i mean as uh, my old tai chi teacher used to say there's lots of excuses and they're all good but they're still excuses i mean there are so many things in our lives that can become urgent so there can be like some stuff going on at home with the family that has to be taken care of. It might be a busy season at work. It's easy to find reasons to not put the time in. But beyond that, I think even assuming people actually are getting the time in, like they're, they're setting the time aside, I don't know that we're all wired to be as intentional about managing our practice time well. Yeah. So, like, thinking about it more graciously... I'm willing to believe somebody when they say, yeah, I, I listened to the music, I, I played along with it. But when stuff's not working right, the thing that I wonder about, so much about what our practice looks like has to do with how well we understand where we want to go and then figuring out how to be intentional to get there. Hmm. 
So, for example, like one thing that is really crucial to music, but I don't know that everybody practices the same, is time. And even something as basic as counting, like if you're not counting quite right, your time's off. Yeah. And it's such a fundamental that we don't always think about it. But, like, you know, where are things falling? Like, is it falling on the downbeat? Is it falling on the upbeat? Where are the accents? Like, where are the rests? All of that stuff. Yeah. I think so many of the things that I hear with stuff that goes wrong when we come together to play, like, and this isn't, like, any particular team. This is, like, every team I've ever played on, every band I've ever played in. Huh. It's, like, the timing isn't right. And, like, somewhere there's, like, there's a count that's not happening. So, if singers aren't entering at the right time, like, how do we practice to get that? So, if I'm that singer and I'm struggling with an entrance, I'm trying to think of the song. There's there's a song that I always struggled with the second verse because the phrasing's really odd. So, I was playing on a team a few weeks ago and heard another singer do the same thing. And it's like, oh, I know what that's all about. And I know what I had to do to get it right. I mean, I had to go over that section and loop it so that I got the timing exactly right and lined everything up well. But I think in the moment when it's not working, like we might think sometimes if we're if we're merely vocalists, like just vocalists, like our voice is our instrument. So we just have to show up and we... I don't know that we prepare the same way as if we're, like, singing and playing an instrument. At least for me, I feel like my time tends to be better when I'm singing and playing because I'm thinking about what the chord changes are when I'm playing the instrument as well as, like, the timing of the vocal. So I think that was fairly convoluted, but... No, no, that's good. I mean, I'm thinking about, too, um, you know, if, if... If the idea is is practice is something that's going to free you, yeah, you know, I, I know we've talked about different things in in kung fu that you've done so many times over and over and over that you're not thinking about them; they're just their re- reactions or you know, it's it's it feels instinctual almost, right? Right. I that's exactly how I look at at playing. Like, I'm I'm more nervous in the preparation. And, like, the practice part of getting ready to lead worship or perform. But when it's on, like, the night or Sunday morning or whenever, I'm not really that nervous. Like, I actually like that part. It's Mm. kind of like the work is done and whatever happens, happens. Yeah. But part of that is I try and train out the nerves. Like, I try and get so much muscle memory in what I'm doing that there are going to be distractions and there are going to be things that go wrong. Like, that's always true. Like, it could be, like, there's a soundboard problem or, like, we didn't get our monitor mixes right and I can't hear, like, myself or I can't hear somebody else, so I can't quite key in in the same way. Mm -hmm. And I want to be in a spot where if there's, like, something going on out in, like, the audience or the congregation, like, that's not, a, that's not a distraction. Or, like, if there's a technical glitch, that's not a distraction. And, like, I just do the thing. Yeah. But I think the value of practice, and I think there's freedom in practice both in being able to practice out your nerves. There's freedom in practice in... Getting to a point where whatever it is that you're playing is, like, at an instinctive level. So, for example, if 
somebody goes into another chorus and you weren't planning on it, like you can hear it and you can adapt and change. Or if there's like a dynamic change that happens spontaneously, you can respond to that without thinking. That's good. And I, I think that's the phrase that I want to end on is that, you know, training out, tra- training out your nervousness or practicing out your nervousness, like practicing to a point where the things aren't affecting you anymore. You can actually be in the moment. You can actually make music. You can actually engage in something that is beyond the mechanics of what you've trained yourself for. And I, I like the word, I even like the word training, even though we don't think about, we don't think of, of practicing as training, but that's exactly what it is. You are training to be a musician when you practice. Yeah. I mean, some of that, I mean, there, there's stamina that's involved, like for everybody. So like with singers, if you're breathing right, like there's, that's much more physical than I think we give it credit for. Yeah. If you're playing like drums or bass or anything like there's like there's something about like the stamina that has to happen for your focus but also physically like i think it's the most obvious that like drummers are expending energy but everybody is yeah but i think too like when you say like pairing like training to make music i think it's so important that we get to a place that we've so internalized our own parts that most of our attention is actually on our band members. Like, we're not thinking about what our fingering is for a certain riff or a chord. We're not thinking about where on the kit we need to be, like, creating a beat. We're not thinking about where our hands are on the keyboard. We're totally into, like, well, what's everybody else doing? Where are we at? At every point, how can my playing be most reflective of where we all are? And making something together. Yeah, that's good. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate uh, you taking time to speak into uh, the community of of fertilizer listeners. <laughs> right on. It was great to be here. And we'll have you on again. Cool. Thanks, man. Yep. Music for this episode is brought to you by The Light, The Heat. Check them out on iTunes. Thanks so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'd love it if you'd subscribe and include one takeaway from this episode when you leave a review on iTunes. And if you send us a question to podcast at adlibmusic.com, we'll be sure to answer it in an upcoming episode. To find out how to grow personally, go to adlibmusic.com contact and schedule a free 30-minute coaching session today. You've got what it takes to lead like a champion. The Lord bless, protect, sustain, and guard you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you with favor and surround you with loving kindness. May the Lord lift up his face upon you with divine approval and give you a peaceful heart and life.